Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Bang, yo. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And today, we have a special one for you. We're actually going to go over it. What we do to buy a used vehicle or new, or used rig on the road. Yeah, we got some questions recently about how to find an inexpensive van for van life. And it's getting harder, but it's not impossible. No, but just know that you're going to have to do your due diligence. Like, you're going to have to really, really make sure that you're not getting something that you're going to have to work on immediately. And we have a story for you when it comes to that. So first, we have to apologize for missing last week's episode. We are committed to dropping a podcast every single week, but the last two weeks have been an incredible whirlwind for us, and everything else just fell to the back burner. And here's the reason why. We were selling Olive, our van for the last two years that we built out ourselves, and we absolutely loved and had really no problems with. You know, we had a new rig, and the great thing about having a new rig is you don't really have many problems on the road. Yeah, so we had a 2019 Ram ProMaster. When we bought it, it had 5,000 miles on it. We purchased it through a dealer who found it at a different dealer on the other side of the country and shipped it over to Texas for us. We ended up talking a couple hundred dollars off the price because we noticed some nicks and dings on like, you know, the mirror, the side window mirror was cracked a little bit and, you know, just some other random things. We got some cash back, but So basically, we ended up purchasing that van at a really good time because it was before all this craziness of inflation and prices and things just like went way through the roof. When we bought that van, it would have been today. In today's economy, it would have been $55,000 plus. It cost us only forty two. Yeah. $43,000. With all so, of the fees and stuff that the dealer's yeah. going to add. Because you get the price, but then there's all these extra prices that you find out when you go into the back room to sign the paperwork. Correct. And so what I will say is that if you do have a job on the road and you could afford a payment uh, for like a monthly payment for a vehicle, it's actually fairly inexpensive when you do it that way. Because if you're willing to pay, you know, anywhere from four to $600 a month, then you can... You could just pay off your rig over time, you know, no big deal. That's what we were doing originally until we paid it off fully. But when it comes to buying an old rig, you're going to have issues that you're going to have to deal with. So it is really, really nice to be on the road and not have to worry about anything mechanically. Yeah, the great thing about buying the newer vehicle is usually the engine and uh, transmission and all those things are under warranty. So even if something were to go wrong mechanically, you would just take it back to the dealership and they would handle it under warranty. But when you start looking at the lower priced vehicles or vehicles that have already been flipped, so like for example, when we sold Olive, 
She had 48,000 miles on Correct. her, and the powertrain warranty lasts until 60,000. So the person who purchased it still gets another 10,000-plus miles under warranty for the powertrain, which is great for them. But the full, like, tip-to-tail, whatever they call it, warranty expired at 30,000. And we actually were contacted to extend that warranty, but they said that because we had converted it into a van life van, into a tiny home, that we were no longer eligible for any additional warranty. They said that we could pay for it, but they can't promise that the dealership would actually like validate validate it. it. So yeah, for us, we were like, all right, it's not worth getting this extension, but for somebody else, it might be, you know, they might have a buddy that works at a dealership that might help them out, but we don't have that. So we don't want to take that risk and to pay, you know, four or 5,000 extra dollars for something like that is that could be money that we would actually have to pay, you know, towards fixing something on the body. If God forbid something happened, Mm -hmm. luckily for us, nothing ever happened. We were, we were really good. We were really lucky when it came to that van. And, you know, you got to remember that life on the road is always going to throw challenges at you. And it's how you deal with those challenges and how you get past those challenges. Like one time we got stuck in a really tight spot and instead of continuing to drive it, we waited till we got pulled out of that spot. uh, So we didn't like hit the wall. Because then that would have been body damage, and then we would have had to fix that body damage, and it could have been, like, incredibly bad, you know, in the sense of having to rip the build out to fix it. Mm-hmm. And even things just like general maintenance, like making sure you're getting your oil changes on time, making sure that, like, if you hear any noises from the engine, that you're taking care of that. And then also you have to think it's not just about the body and the engine of the vehicle. It's also about your build in the back. So if you are financing a vehicle from the dealership, likely it's completely empty in the back. So now you're going to have to invest the money into building something. Um, But so like our new rig that we purchased, for example, as soon as we put water in the plumbing system, it just leaked everywhere. And so this is somebody else's plumbing that they've put in that we didn't put in. So now we have to go through and look at all the plumbing lines, figure out what they did, blah, blah, blah. So when you're buying a used vehicle or a build that's already been built out, you want to make sure that you, before you purchase it, test the water, test the electrical, test the plugs, test the gas, test literally every component of the build like you were going to be living in it. Don't just look around and say, oh, this looks cute. Like, I love, I love the color. I love the decor. I love the vibe. Mm -hmm. Sold. Because then you pay the money, you get out of there, and you realize nothing freaking works. Yeah. And we're kind of in that space. I mean, we did check the plumbing and we did check all the different things and we we saw the issues. We knew that we would have some problems that we would have to tackle with this new rig. We just didn't expect it to be so catastrophic so quick. <laughs> well, for the build, for example, nothing's catastrophic in the build, but we were able to negotiate the price down. And so that's the great thing about working with a private seller. So if you are looking for a more inexpensive vehicle for van life, let me just back up a second. So most of the vans that you're going to see on Van Viewer, Van Converter, CamperVansForSale.com, all of these places... Like the least expensive ones are going to be in the 30s. 60s, 
I would say 35, 38 if they have really high miles. Sure. Or they're like an econo line where you can't stand up fully or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and even some of those are probably in the 40s or 50s. Yeah. If so. they're built out. Anything that you're going to find already pre-built out is going to be pretty expensive if it's not like a old, old, old RV. Right. And those old, old, old RVs have their own troubles. Like you're going to want to look for water damage and leaking and just, ugh, like what's happened in there? Why? Why is there carpet everywhere? What is going on? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of issues when it comes to that. But I would even say, like, one of the places that you're going to want to look would be, like, in the Las Vegas area because it seems like that they have quite a few vehicles that are older um, and that wouldn't have rust if they lived their whole life there um, because the climate's really good for them. But, you know, you're, once again, you're going to have to you're going to come across a lot of issues. So one of the things I would definitely recommend doing is having the vehicle looked over by a mechanic. Get a get a mechanic's opinion and see what they say about the engine. Does it have any leaks anywhere? Is the intake manifold or the ex, or the exhaust manifold or anything like that leaking? Um, is it leaking oil, transmission fluid, differential fluid? You know, you could have all that looked over, and they will give you an honest opinion. Especially if it's just like a random mechanic that the person doesn't know, um, you would get a real honest opinion on what's going on with the rig, and then you could even pull them to the side and say, "Do you think this?" a good purchase or not and they would tell you yes or no Mm -hmm. and so usually with these private sales especially of older vehicles when you do find issues you can usually pretty easily knock some money off the price so when we tested the plumbing and she saw the plumbing wasn't working she was like i'll take another 500 off and when we tested what was the something else and that wasn't working refrigerator she was like okay i'll take another 500 off and then so basically her asking price was 15 when we had kind of like agreed to buy it, it was 12 And then after we tested all the systems and realized a bunch of the problems with them, we got all the way down to nine. Yeah. So that became a much more cost-effective build. And also for us, we know now that we're going into a project. And the reason that you get the discounts is because it's going to cost money to fix the plumbing. It's going to cost money to fix the refrigerator. It's going to cost money to do all of these projects and things. Even just looking at the projects that the person did in here, like the the wood and stuff that they put up, you could tell that they didn't do a great job. Like they did the best that they probably could but it could be done much, much better. So we're going to have to rip out half the build anyway to, to fix the things as well as to change up some things. So that that alone is going to cost us at least three to $4,000. Yeah, so we'll see about all that. But so back to like buying a pre-built out build that's in the, you know, 50 plus thousand, 100 plus thousand range. It's incredibly difficult to get financing for these vehicles. If you've ever heard of Kelly Blue Book, it's a website that you can go to that will tell you the value of a vehicle. And that's what most dealerships, financers, um, all of these different car sales places base the value of the vehicle on. So you basically put in the year, make, model, miles, upgrades, features, you know, things like that of the vehicle, and it will tell you how much that vehicle is generally worth. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at that, you look at, okay, a 2019 Ram Promaster is generally worth, you know, with the miles and blah, 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 maybe $46,000, which is crazy because that's still more than we paid for it. Mm -hmm. So two, three, almost years later after we purchased it, the vehicle was worth more than when we purchased it, which is 100% inflation. Mm -hmm. But so for somebody to go to the bank and say, 
I want to buy a vehicle that's worth $46,000, according to Kelly Blue Book, but I'm going to pay $80,000 for it. The bank is going to say, no. That's, that's not realistic. Don't do that. <laughs> that's a silly thing to do. But what the bank doesn't know is that there's a full home inside of it. So realistically, it would be a very good buy in that sense. Um, but you could also get your title changed over to a RV title. That would be like going to the DMV and getting all the proper pictures taken and making sure that you have all the proper things that you would need to get your rig you know, title changed over to an RV title. Which could make financing easier for people. But so we had one couple in particular, they really wanted the van. They were stoked. They were ready. They sent us a deposit. They said, no worries. Like, we've got this. Uh, we're coming this weekend. We're going to buy it. And then they went for a meeting with their bank. And they are used to purchasing houses, flipping houses, getting loans for this, getting loans for that, no problems, you know, whatever. So they go to their bank that they work with all the time regularly. They've got a great relationship with. And the bank is like, no, the best that we can do is offer you, I think it was like a $30,000 personal loan line of credit to pay for it, personal loan. Mm -hmm. um, and then either once... I don't know. They would, would have to get it to California and then register it in California. And then California could then say, okay, this is a motorhome and we could give you a house mortgage on it. And then that way they could get like a 15 year type of finance and they would get all the money uh, for the vehicle. Right. But so that's, it just wasn't really a feasible option because it's like, okay, well, we're going to give you our vehicle for $30,000 and then you're going to have the title and the, everything and the registration and you're going to go register it in your name. And then you could just literally disappear off the face of the planet and never give us the other $50,000. And so that's the other thing that you have to be wary of is there's a lot of people running scams around buying and selling vans. Well, what, what you would do is you would allow them to register it in their name, but you would not give them the title. But they can't register it without the title. Yeah, they can. They could get a copy of the title. And uh, say I'm, they could say that they're either that or they could say that they're renting the vehicle or, or leasing the vehicle, you know, type mm -hmm. of thing. It's just like a bank. Like we didn't have to have the title to uh, get our registration. And mm, stuff. That's fair. But the dealership handled all that paperwork. Well, so there's definitely sure a way to do it. We don't know that specifically. We're not experts on that in particular. But what we are talking about is, you know, getting a used van. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we just got a used van and we were driving it and it drove great. And so the thing is, is that the one that we have has a small engine in it and we just packed it full of our stuff from our other rig. So when we were going up these mountain passes that were like 7,000 plus feet, we ran into an issue where the rig was just burning off oil. So if you are getting a old rig, make sure that at every gas fill up that you're checking your oil because that's something that I should have done. And uh, maybe we could have avoided this issue and we would still be on the road. Right. But so that's the thing about getting a less expensive, older, more miles vehicle is that you do have to be a little bit more mechanically inclined. Because if you're not mechanically inclined, you're going to be paying a mechanic a lot of money to be mechanically inclined for you. So if you can do certain things like check your fluids, do, you know, I'm not, I'm not mechanically inclined at all. Like thankfully Frankie is. And so he can kind of figure this stuff out for us. But if this was just me by myself, when something like this happened, 
you know, you just throw your hands up and you say, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. My mind is kind of drifting off onto what I'm going to have to do. Yeah, because it's a Basically, big project. I'm going to have to cherry pick the engine out and I'm going to have to possibly rebuild the engine. Or if it's more than just, you know, one or two things in the engine, then I might have to actually buy a new engine and drop a new engine in. Actually, that would be the easiest way to go. But then you have to find a rebuild engine that's reliable. And sometimes... It's just not the case. Yeah, it's so hard to know what to do in situations like this. But, like, I called a couple of dealerships to see if they would help us with this. And the one said that we don't touch anything older than 1990, and we've bought a 1985. The next dealership said we don't trust, you know, um, rebuilt engines. So we would want to rebuild the engine ourselves, which could be upwards of 40 hours of mechanic work at $140 an hour. Plus, we don't know how much expensive the parts are going to be. They basically said the labor would be anywhere from three to $6,000, and then that's not including the parts. And it would be in the shop for like a month plus for them working on so it. So we're talking about probably anywhere from five to about $10,000 for them to rebuild the engine. Right. So then you get to a point where it's like, okay, I've bought an inexpensive vehicle thinking it was going to be inexpensive, but now I'm dumping all this money into my inexpensive vehicle. Realistically, though, if we've paid nine k, we have a number that we're willing to go up to. You know, like I think the number is probably around about $20,000 because the way that we look at this particular build is that we want to... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fix it up and then rent out an old classic rig up in Canada and or Florida, maybe back in both of those places. Um, and also this rig would be much lighter in those cases. Like there would be people that were just renting it part time and they wouldn't have their whole life in it. Yeah, we have way too much stuff in here right now. So anyways, it's all about what you are willing to take on in terms of a project. If you're somebody who doesn't want any mechanical issues, who wants a plug and play, who wants to just get into this brand new van and ride off into the sunset and go camping and do all this fun stuff, you're going to have to probably spend more money to achieve that. And that's not even a guarantee that nothing's going to happen to the build or to the engine itself. Yeah, the only guarantee that you have in those cases would be the fact that you have warranties. So you would have the ability to go and get things done through the dealership. And even though that may take time too, some dealerships are a couple months out. Uh, Alex and I have been lucky enough to always pull into a dealership, say this is our issue. They look it over and tell us, okay, this is what we could do for you. And we could have the parts in by this time and we'll do the job that day. You know, so we also like always tell them like, hey, we live out of this full time. So we need to be in it. We need to sleep out of it. And they, they normally always do a really good job at making sure that they could accommodate that. Well, and so if you guys remember way back, our first van was a 2003 Dodge Sprinter. We bought it with over 200,000 miles on it. It was fourth. It was listed for six. We got it for four. We probably put another 10 to 15 into it. Um, 
but we were constantly kind of having, you know, it was like almost a monthly occurrence where something would be wrong. We'd need to be in the shop, blah, blah, blah. But we were always able to continue living in it, to continue driving it, but nothing extreme, right? Like you go to the shop, they say, okay, well, you know, this is the issue. These are the parts we need. They'll be in here in a couple of days. And then we'd be like, okay, we'll drive to a real close campsite. We'll stay there for a couple of days. And then we'll drive back to the mechanic. No problems. This right now, what we're dealing with is the first time ever in three plus years of van life that we are actually at a point where we cannot drive the vehicle for risk of more damage. And it's literally 10 degrees Fahrenheit where we are, which has got to be like minus 10 or 15 Celsius. It is cold as stink. Luckily, our propane heater is working and everything, but we can't stay here for an indefinite amount of time. The van needs to get shipped to somewhere where we can actually work on it. We're lucky enough to have friends who have a workshop who are willing to take on this project with us. God, like, God bless them because they have no idea what they're getting into. Huge shout out to Maria, Jose, and Chase of Tio Ventura. If you don't know them, they are amazing people, and we're so thankful for them. You know, the fact that they are going to let us come into that garage and and really, like, you know, set up shop and do what I got to do. And realistically for us, like, you know, one of our plans was to go to my brother's house in New York. And the thing is, is that Paco is not allowed in my brother's house. So in order for me to be able to be there and do the work that I'm going to do, I have to have a rig outside. Like, I don't really have a choice but to have the rig outside. Otherwise, I got to figure out a place for Paco to be. And I don't want Paco to be without us. You know, for us, the rig plays a very specific role in our lives. Not only do we love living on the road, but also for a particular purposes it makes sense for us well it's our house like we don't have a home base somewhere which is something that we've talked about also you know after being on the road for over three years it would be nice to have a home base where we could dump our snowboards and pick up the summer gear you know or Mm. it would be nice to have somewhere where like okay for the next like two weeks over the holidays we just want to be stay put and like have you know our house and our things and our cozy time um, and like, not that the van's not cozy, but it's definitely something that's like, it would be nice to have both. And so, I don't know, if you're looking for a more inexpensive rig and you've still got a home, it's kind of perfect. Cause like, you can go on these trips, you can do these fun things. Maybe you get something that's, you know, not a full height, but you know that you're only going to be in it for maybe a couple weeks at a time max, and then you're going back to your home base. Yeah. So it's a perfect, like, weekend rig. It's a perfect, like, bug out van. It's even great for, like, three months at a time, four months at a time, where you could then head back to your place and swap out the gear that you want to swap out so you go on different types of trips. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things about the home base for us you know, to to have and to be rewarded with that, with all of our hard work is to make sure that we have that spot where we could actually like swap out snowboard geared gear and maybe climbing gear. We could get into different hobbies because right. we have actual some more physical space. Yeah, you could get like a locker or whatever. But, but you can't live in a storage locker. Correct. I mean, it would be really nice to unwind and hang out in our own space, not a friend space, not a family space, our own space for like, you know, maybe a month at a time and yeah. then be able to get back on the road and do trips. I mean, we would still most likely be living a lot of our life on the road. We would still be full time traveling, but we would have at least that spot where we could definitely like go back to and relax and we're not paying somebody else for that. We're paying, you know, our mortgage 
And mm-hmm. then we have an asset. You know, we could rent that out. We could Airbnb it. We could do whatever we want with it. So, you know, it is really something that we're thinking about here um, that we want to get into in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, like, it's kind of like the evolution of van life. Like, when we first got on the road, you know, we were so hardcore about, like, never paying for a campsite, always boondocking for free, like, getting off-grid, going wild places, like, really pushing it to the limit. And then, you know, year two, we switch into a new rig, and we're still boondocking 90% of the time. And, you know, like, you you kind of miss some of those creature comforts, but it's still really nice to be on the road full-time. I would say we only started really paying for campgrounds once we headed south of the border. Once they became super affordable, Yeah. yeah. And then, like, in Central America and Mexico, like... That was an amazing trip and so beautiful, and I would highly recommend to anybody who is even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely the trip of a lifetime. So amazing. But then, you know, you come back to the United States, and it's kind of like, well, where is my home base? And, like, a lot of these places are getting shut down in terms of, like, our friend Pam, um, who was just talking about Sedona and all of the boondocking in Sedona is shut down. And Sedona, we knew it was going to happen. Like, we knew about it a year ago that it was going to happen. Like, two years but ago. But it is kind of interesting because when our friends and all of us were there we actually went around and cleaned up all the garbage and cleaned up the you know broken bottles or whatever that was there there's a particular group of people that create the garbage and dump their tanks and do these type of things um and you know throw toilet paper in the wind and not care and you know it's definitely a particular group of people it's just unfortunate that that group of people has grown a bit and you well, know, the entire community of van life has grown exponentially. Yeah, but one thing that we all try to recommend and be a part of is to not do those things. So some of these people aren't getting that message, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Some, some of, the, of these people need to listen to more F and I Van Life the podcast. <laughs> and I'm not saying that we're fully correct about everything that we do, but I'm saying that we always try to be good stewards of of the places that we're at. We try to always keep them clean and we try to clean up after others. Well, and and leave a good impression for other people because if, if our van rolls through and we leave our trash and we, you know, do bad things, the next van that rolls through, the person's going to be like, I don't want that van here. I remember what happened when that last van was here. Correct. And so you always set an example for the next person coming in and uh, for the people that are that are keeping an eye on you when you come into these areas, you know, you got to think that there are people that live outside of them. There are people that jog through them. There are people that do all these things. So if they see you picking up trash and they see you doing these things, that's going to be a huge help, you know. So, you know, I, I, I think that we're, we're just trying to say is like be a good person once you get on the road and, yeah. and don't do what you don't want to see out there. You don't want to see people throwing garbage everywhere. So take your garbage with you. You know, throw it out in a in a proper recycle recycle or trash bin. You know, it, whatever it is. Um, but let's get back to the to the point of this. The point is to like try to find a rig that's used and older. Um, I would scour like Craigslist and scour Facebook Market. You're not gonna find them at a dealership because the dealership is it's mainly, always marked up. and it's mainly dealing with newer cars. Yeah, unless it's kind of like an off the lot kind of place. Um, you're not going to be able to find anything that's like an affordable price at a dealership, especially like a fully built out build. And remember this, that the number that you're seeing on the listing is always negotiable. So like, even though they might say not negotiable, you'd be like, well, it's been up for, you know, 10 months. 
you obviously want to sell it, mm-hmm. you know, so let's negotiate. Well, and I would wait for those negotiations until you're there in person mm-hmm. because it's so, like, if we have a listing on Facebook, say, for anything, like you're listing a snowboard for 200 bucks, and somebody says, oh, I'll give you $80 for it. You're like, come on, buddy. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> get out of here. But if that guy was standing in my driveway with $80 cash... I might take it. I would be like, oh, can we do 100? And he'd say, okay. And he'd throw another 20 in, and then he'd take the snowboard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the best thing to do always, well, A, you need to do your due diligence. You need to see this vehicle in person. You do not want to buy an older vehicle sight unseen from the other side of the country. You want to stand in it. You want to smell it. You Mm want to turn the engine on from a cold start. You want to test all of the things like we were talking about, the plumbing, the gas, the shower, all of these things. Do they work? Do they not? Because if you're standing in that person's driveway and you're doing all these tests and things aren't working, they're going to be willing to drop the price. Correct. Yeah. I mean, like literally that happened to us all the day. Yeah. So, and I probably could have dropped the price even more. So like you always have the opportunity to like really lowball the number. And then I thought I was lowballing it and I probably could have went even lower. I could have probably said, you know what? 7,000 bucks is our final offer. And you know, if you don't want it, that's fine. Well, and I think another thing that kind of bit us is that we were so, or maybe I was so ready to get into a vehicle immediately. We're in Salt Lake City. We're in Vegas. We don't have a vehicle. We don't have a home. We have all of our stuff. We need to get to the other side of the country. How are we going to do that if we don't have a van, if we don't have this thing? Like, we need to find something immediately. And ultimately, we did make this decision together. But I do remember saying at one point in time uh, that I was like, do we want to buy something same day? Like, don't we want to look a bit? You know, but like, are we rushing this? Is this too fast? But, you know, we we uh, we wound up diving in and and take our advice on it. You know, I'm I'm happy with the purchase we made regardless at the end of the day. And I know that I'm going to have a lot of work ahead of me to make it, you know, make it drivable and, and ready to be rented and whatnot. Um, this van is going to be amazing when we're done with yeah, it. Yeah, 100 percent. But the thing is this, is that if you're not interested in digging in and getting your hands dirty, this is not the route for you. <laughs> it's not. It's like, you might want to look for a long time. Like, we found a rig that had 33,000 miles on it, and that rig probably was the better of the two, but it needed immediate mechanical, you know, uh, uh, needs, like, for us to drive like it across the country. Like, we couldn't drive it. We could have, but I just would have been without power steering eventually. I would have to keep filling it up with power steering. But that is better than... An engine going bad on you. Right, but you never know because you might... That's the thing about these older vehicles. It's all a crapshoot, right? Like, you could say, oh, it would have only been that one thing. But then we start driving it up the mountain pass, fully loaded with all of our stuff. I will say... And something could have gone wrong. I will say, normally 33,000 miles has is a big difference than... A uh, hundred. Than a hundred, But yeah. also, people <laughs> said with these Toyotas that these engines are solid, and a hundred thousand miles is nothing, and, like, don't even worry about I it. I mean, I will say that we could continue to drive this van. You know what I mean? Like, we could. It's just it's not worth creating more damage to the engine. And there's a chance that we don't create more damage to the engine as long as we keep her topped off with oil and stuff. But there's also the option of throwing a rod. And if we throw a rod and then that goes through the engine, need a new then engine. we have to tow it. It doesn't run at all. And you need a new engine. So, you know, it, we could rebuild this one and we're still good to go. Or we 
and that costs less money than purchasing one that's already rebuilt. So, you know, it, it is, there is like, uh, there is a lot of ifs, ends, or buts, but, you know, I think at the end of the day that we did come out in a, in a good way with this rig. Well, and, you know, the way that we're looking at it also is that, say we did buy a rig, you know, say we get into all this and we're doing the da-da-da-da-da, we do the whole build, the engine, da-da-da, and we're in for $20,000. But now we've got a whole new engine, we've got a beautiful build, we know that everything is working perfectly, and it's at $20,000. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we purchased a rig for $20,000, we might have then had to put in another five to 10, mm-hmm. you know, updating the build and doing these things, you know, making it ours, customizing it, engine work, whatever. So you're always, especially with a more inexpensive vehicle, you need to have an extra fund to pay for anything that's going to go wrong, that needs to be fixed, that needs to be addressed. For us, where it makes sense is that when we do fix it up and we do get it going and we have it ready to go, we're going to rent this one out. So renting this one out will, you know, turn around and pay us back. Hopefully. You know, hopefully in the year or two that we're renting it out, if not more, you know, that we make all of our money back on it. And then, you know, it was a good investment. Then we made it across the country, everything pretty much for free. You know, so this is a way of making your money, hopefully make you money. Mm-hmm. You and know? if you're somebody that does have a home base, you know, you could have your rig and use it for those three months or whatever and then rent it out for the other time to like help make your money back or help cover the costs of, you know, fix- fixing it up and keeping it fresh and all of those things. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to live in your rig full time to want to buy a rig or mm-hmm. to be in a rig. Full time van life is amazing and I would recommend it to anybody who thinks they can handle the, you know, it does come with its challenges. The challenges on the road, yeah. Yeah, like we were not in a good mood yesterday. Uh, I mean, I was pretty I was in a terrible mood. Yeah, I was pretty good. (laughs) I I was doing okay for having a, like, like a a van that actually got us stuck on the side of the road. Yeah. So anyways, it's just stressful. It's something you have to deal with, all these things. And like, if you do have an older vehicle, you want to pay for the, you know, maybe the CAA or the AAA or whatever it is. You want to pay for the towing. You want to pay for Definitely the... Definitely with an old rig. Yeah, like you have to... You put a little bit more money into that pile because... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Because, you know, you never know. Something might go wrong and you might need to get out of somewhere. And so if you don't have towing on your insurance, like, you could end up stranded somewhere having to pay a big bill. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the major thing is is that when you are purchasing an old rig is just know that you're going to have your hands full. You know, I understand that you might only have a particular amount of money and that's why you're looking for an older rig, but you are going to have your hands full. The two that we've had, we've had our hands full already. Yeah. And so maybe if you're looking at your budget and you say, okay, I have $10,000, don't buy a rig for $10,000, buy a rig for five, six, seven thousand dollars, so that you have a little bit of money left over 
to deal with all of these things that we're talking about. And I'm not going to say that you're going to be a full mechanic, but you are going to have mechanical skills after this purchase. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn when you're on the road all the different things about your rig. And one of the things I think is really important is try to find a particular rig that you're looking for, you know, something that has a manual to it that you could learn how to fix. Like this thing being a 1985, you know, I have the booklet on every single thing about this rig. Well, and they do say it's easier to work on older vehicles because they don't have all the computer chips and things like that. Like, it's literally just a mechanical engine. And just the engine bay alone is wide open uh, in this rig in particular. So you have a lot more ability to, like, really reach around and get to things and unbolt stuff. And, like, I would even say, like, one of the things I really loved about this one is that it looked like all the bolts and all the screws and everything that was underneath the hood was nice and clean, which means that I shouldn't have as much of an issue taking it apart. Mm -hmm. So if you see a lot of rust in those areas, that's going to create a much harder ability to take things apart. And so, which makes going to make your life a lot harder when you are rebuilding stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I saw how clean underneath the hood was, it was like, all right, well, obviously the person who had this before us was trying to fix up this engine. They have every gasket known to man for this Toyota in this rig right now. So the, that's another thing I don't have to purchase. They have every type of lubricant, every type of thing that I absolutely need to be able to start this rebuild, mm -hmm. which I'm excited for, actually, because okay. I'm going to learn something new. Like, I'm re I really am excited for this. I might be bitching and complaining in some of the moments, <laughs> like, motherfucker, you know, like, I cracked my hand on something, punched myself in the face like the other day, you know, Whatever it is, I know I'm going to have some like little scratches and dinks and bumps, but at the end of it, I think I'm going to be really, really happy with the turnaround of this rig. Mm -hmm. I feel like older rigs are definitely a learning lesson. And so if you're somebody who likes to get your hands dirty, who likes to learn these things, who wants to acquire new skills, it's a really great route to go. Um, if you're not, then maybe you gotta start up in that budget. And I think you also have to know that there is an uh, there is a chance that you might be throwing that budget away. You know, like you have to be a little bit realistic about it. It is a little bit of a gamble. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that this one was a gamble for us, um, but we were willing to take on that gamble. And at the end of it, you could always fix everything. Like, you could put in all new parts underneath that hood. Brand new engine, brand new... You could do brand new everything. Yeah. Honestly. It's just how much money do you have to... to put into that, you yeah. know? So if we have 10K, you know, to put into it, then we could literally rebuild everything underneath that hood mm -hmm. and be still in a good place. And now everything is brand new and we don't have to worry about anything underneath the hood ever going wrong mm -hmm. the major thing is you're never going to find a brand new engine you're always going to find something that's rebuilt mm -hmm. in, in the sense of these rigs yeah and so what i would suggest is when if you are going down this route and you're ready to tackle it keep track of all of your expenses so that you know how deep that you're getting and that you don't go further than your budget allows because you don't want to end up in a situation where you know, you've spent way too much money on this rig and it doesn't have the resale value. It doesn't have, you know, like if we wanted to turn around right now and just say, okay, we're going to wash our hands clean of this, you know, uh, we could maybe, you know, turn around and sell it for, you know, uh, I don't know, $5,000. Like if we're like, hey, it needs a new engine, but the, the body is good, y you know, 
five grand cash to take it off her hands. You know, now we've only lost four thousand yeah. dollars, right? So you're, it's kind of like a cost benefit analysis of like, okay, or if I put in the new engine and then I say, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to turn around and sell it. So now I'm in nine plus two for the new engine. You know, could I sell it for ten? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this little game that you have to play. So keep track of all your expenses. Keep track of your budget. Make sure that you're not going above what you actually have because mm -hmm. you do not want to end up in a position where you are stranded at the side of the road and you don't have money for a tow and you don't have money for a hotel room for the night if you need it. Like always have an emergency fund. And if you have like a place where you could store like a small garage or something, if if it's like the absolute worst thing that happens is you could part the whole thing out because there's always people looking for used parts on vehicles like this. So you, you literally have that opportunity to part everything out and you might even just make your money back just doing that, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, you, you could there's always a way of making your money back. It's just a matter of like how much work are you willing to put into it. And I think that when it comes to making money, it always needs work. Mm -hmm. So just think about it like that. It's like another job and you've now created some type of profit from that job. Hopefully. Whether it's a knowledge profit yeah. or a, uh, a you know monetary profit, yeah. you've gained some type of profit. Well, like our friend was telling us, like even if we do end up spending twenty grand on this, and then we use it for you know a year or two, how much is that in rent a month? Like, say we were gonna live in it full time, you know, if you have you know twenty thousand dollars invested, twenty thousand divided by twenty four, I need to do some quick math. It's about a thousand dollars, a little under a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, eight hundred and thirty-three dollars a month for rent to live in the vehicle full time for two years. So, like, that's pretty good. That's yeah. probably less expensive than what you're paying for rent right now. Definitely more less expensive than a New York City apartment. That's for sure. They're yeah. like at least fifteen to twenty-five hundred. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you might have to put up all the costs up front, but then you know, if you spread those out over the entire life of the vehicle while you're in it, you know, the longer you stay in the vehicle, the less expensive it gets. Yeah, exactly. So I think that what we're trying to say is that there's always a way to see the benefits in doing this, you know, how it could be less costly for you. And that's kind of what Alex and I have been doing for the last three and a half years is figuring out a way to make life less expensive and be able to enjoy it to its fullest. Mm -hmm. And I think we've been pretty successful with that. Yeah. And I think that's what van life is generally all about is like, Living with less so that you can enjoy more. Mm -hmm. And I know that van life doesn't necessarily mean like when, when we first got into it, van life was more of like the cheapest way to get on the road. People would have like crates in their vans and stuff like that to like live out of it. It was more of like a dirtbag rock climber status, you know, type and of deal. And that's still cool. And it is awesome. We're not saying that's, we think that's actually a great way to do it. But for us, we want to make a comfort of a home and possibly turn something for a profit because, you know, this became more, you know, of a luxury style thing over time. Mm -hmm. And you could still find both. Well, and van life has become like our our job. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you're listening to this podcast, it's a podcast about van life. Be kind of hard to make a podcast about living in a van if, if we, we didn't, didn't live it. in a van. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of the things we do, like our YouTube channel and our TikTok and our Instagram and all that kind of stuff is based around us, you know, being in the vehicle. And that's where we earn our income to be able to afford to live in a vehicle. I just realized yes. that this is the first podcast in our new old van. 
Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, sunny. And we're about to leave her for an indefinite amount of time so that she can get shipped across the country to Tio Aventura's house and sit in the garage there until we can get over and get her fixed up. We're going to work on this beauty. We're going to put her in tip-top shape and... You know, we're, we're excited for people listening to possibly be able to rent it if they want to take it on a trip. Mm-hmm. And when that time comes, we will definitely update you guys. Um, but we're really excited about what's to come. We have a lot going on in our lives right now. and We're looking forward to all the different challenges and to see ourselves grow during these times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, you know, I think, I mean, we've really only been in this van for one week and we're already saying goodbye to it until, you know, we can get to it again. And that is a super bummer because it's like, you know, expectation versus reality. You buy a rig, you think, okay, I'm in it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And the universe is like, slap, slap, slap. No way. <laughs> well, I think the universe was telling us that we need to slow down and fix something up and put a project together for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, We'll have some things that that come in the way of that even, I'm sure. You know, it's just, that's part of life. Yep. It's all about how you deal with things, guys. Remember that. It's all about how you deal with it. So we think that you could do it. If we could do it, you could do it. Um, We are the type of people that do have a positive outlook on things, especially myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, throw me under the bus. I'm not throwing you under the bus, (laughs) but I'm saying for me, I'm very much that way. Definitely. Like, I'm passionate about being positive and seeing, like, the silver lining or the good aspect of something so you know i I think that if you have that type of mentality this is definitely for you but if you don't have that mentality this might be more difficult for you well and if we're talking about mentality my mentality is more like analytical what is the job what do we need how much is it going to cost where are we going to go what are the logistics where are we you know and i feel like we need that too like it can't just be like things are going to work out happy face smile emoji if it if it wasn't for Alex, I wouldn't be getting as much stuff done because of the analytical part of her. You know, she makes things happen. We are looking things up and seeing what the cost of it, what's the cost benefit of it, and, and how does this, you know, apply to our situation in general. And if it wasn't for you, then I would not get so many things done. Right. So I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I think you kind of need both. Yeah. You need a practical... How do we do this? What is the plan? What are we doing? But then you also need a positive outlook that's like, I can do this and it is going to get done. Yes. And anything is possible. Yes. Agreed. But with all that being said, we hope that you find the rig that you're looking for, whether it's new or it's old. Uh, These are some ways that you could do it. And we're really excited for you to try them. And we're excited for you to share your adventures with us. So be sure to send us a DM on Instagram when you buy your rig, when you're looking at a rig. Send us the pictures. Let us know. Tag us in a story. We'll definitely share it on our story on Instagram. And yeah, come come check out the YouTube channel as well. It's all FNA van life, and it's going to be an FNA day. See you guys in the next one. Everybody knows it's true. Van life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.